Hi, and welcome to Variations on a Theme. This is a podcast where we laugh at really bad jokes and occasionally talk about music. I'm Ayan. I'm Taylor. I'm Jafet. And I'm Julie. I'll be hosting today's episode. Hola. Do you want to check out the songs we talk about before we talk about them? If your answer is yes, you're in luck. We have playlists for each and every episode on our official VOAT Spotify. You can find the link in the episode description. Alrighty, on with the show. Four buddies sitting in their rooms talking about music over Zoom. Join us, you're listening to Variations on a Theme. So the theme of today's episode is covers. And so I thought it would be really fun for us to discuss what we think about covers. Okay, there are specific things on each of our instruments that can either make a cover really awesome or make it really stupid. So what are some of the things for your specific instruments that you think make or break a cover? Jafet, what do you think? Well, I don't like overly emotional covers. Ooh. Ooh, Elaborate. But here's the thing. It has, so for example, if you take like a hip hop song. Yes. Or like a rap song, mm-hmm. and then you make it overly emotional yeah. by adding piano and then singing it overly emotionally. Uh, <laughs> okay. It okay. drives me. It's the schmaltz insane. for you. It drives oh, me nuts. Schmaltz? It's like, oh, uh, what's that song? Uh, the Trap Queen song. I heard someone do a version of that, and they were like, "Hey, what's up? Hello." Oh no! And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. "Absolutely not!" As Mm-mm. soon as I saw that, I was like, "Cancel, delete." <laughs> Log in, change the password, log back out, never log back in again. I don't want to hear a, I can't. I can't do it. It's one. too much for me. I heard yeah. one that was, and I would walk five No. Oh. no. Oh. It's just no. us bagging on bad covers right now. I can't. <laughs> well, to the two not, people just... who did those covers, please keep listening to us. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if you know them personally. stuff to offer you. It's, well, here's the thing. It's just like, I, I, I firmly believe that like you can take a cover, t- you know, take a song, change it, but it has to be like, like it has to fit, right? Like, like it has to be good. Has, no, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but also like it has to connect because yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. make like you're singing that song Trap Queen and it's like overly emotional. Yeah. There's a disconnect. About, like it doesn't make sense. It has to yeah. be purposeful. Yes, yes exactly. Yes, nice. yeah. But yes, what do you all think? Tell me. So speaking as an instrumentalist, um. Piano, I'd say, surprisingly, is one of the most common cover instruments, mm-hmm. I think, you hear. Definitely. Um, I think it's like guitar, then piano. We're looking um, at you, the piano guys. Yeah. Yeah, listen <laughs> up. So. Uh, and listen girls. And girls. Girls. <laughs> No, there's like a group called. No, it is guys, though. Okay. It, it is guys. <laughs> okay, good. I was it's like, mostly guys. Is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> <Men>. <laughs> oh, Wait, on men. like YouTube or? It's like an actual group called the Piano Guys, and they yeah. just do a whole bunch of piano oh, covers. So oh, it's I like Pirates that. of the Caribbean, and it's all yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. so it's like it's piano, piano, yeah. play piano, the piano, 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 yeah. piano, get piano, out. Piano. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially the entire cover. Is piano, piano, oh. piano, piano. Sorry, Taylor, That's what were you saying? Thing. So this is strictly talking about instrumental covers of pop songs. <laughs> so something that you hear in a lot of pop music is single note melodies mm. so mm-hmm. think of like mr Brightside. i'm coming out of my cage and i've been doing just fine got right <laughs> it's just one out yeah. it's really solid right so 
here's the problem with piano covers. Yes. Is that that... <laughs> okay, so piano makes a total of one sound. Right. <laughs> so replace... Each word with a single sound, and you get da 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 We love minimalism here. Not what you want in a cover. And so here's the thing. You. It was a really accurate representation of that. I agree. You. Oh my gosh, Taylor. So here's the thing. There are ways to like articulate a single note on a piano to like emphasize one and actually make it sound like how they would sing it. So if you're singing a single note melody, you're going to emphasize specific words, right? right. So on the piano, you want to do that. You want to find the words that are emphasized. And the thing about the piano is you kind of need to like overemphasize it. Mm-hmm. So like... The strong one needs to be really strong. Everything else needs to be almost silent so that you can just sort of hear the effect of it. But no one seems to do that. And so you get all of these piano covers that are literally just da 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 And it's the most annoying thing. Anywho, anyone else? <laughs> I think going along with that, like like for me with violin... I always see like these kids that are like covering songs, you know, and they're like dancing in the videos and stuff with their violin. And it's the same thing. I think with violin, it's a little bit, it has like a little bit more that it can give when Mm. it's like single notes. But regardless of that, it still kind of ends up being very lackluster because there's, you know, there's no lyrics. And so you really just have to add whatever you can that the instrument can do to like, like compensate or like if not just like you know just make it an actual like violin piece you know yeah um so i don't know for me like when people are just playing single melodies i'm like you can do some kind of like string crossing or some kind of like like pizzicato flourish or something like pluck the strings like anything you know like don't just play the song you know yeah that's just what it is for me yeah no if you're doing an instrumental cover you need to add something Mm -hmm. or like layer it you know like do like a multi-harmony like something (laughs) give me something (laughs) please (laughs) please so julie tell us what do you think okay so my thing that can make or break a cover thinking about voice is i hate it when somebody covers a song and they sing the melody exactly like the original Mm. and they phrase everything exactly like the original and there's it's essentially just a copy of Mm. whoever did it first but they're doing it so what makes a really good cover for me is when there's an interpretation of the lyrics and a phrasing of the lyrics in a way that is unique to the interpretation of whoever's singing it yeah, I think right. that's really cool. Okay, so those were a lot of the things that make for a bad cover. What are some of the things that make a good cover on your instruments? Taylor. So, I love when there's a single note melody. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so, actually, going <laughs> off of what Jafet was saying earlier, I actually like when people do flip a cover thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. When they're thinking about the lyrics... And they purposefully, like, you know, I think a really easy one is like, okay, let's take a really happy song and do a really dark cover of it. And it's very purposeful. They've thought about what the song is expressing Mm -hmm. and how they can alter what it's going to express 
by changing the musicality of it. I think that's one thing that is very effective in covers. Ion, did you have something to add? Yeah. So I like when a cover kind of verges on like being an arrangement. Because like for mm. me, like a cover is just kind of like you kind of stick to the same, you know, instruments or like the same feel that the original song had. Um, but when you start to arrange it, that's when I think when you start to like change the feeling like Taylor was saying, um, like making a, a happy song sad or like changing the harmony or like just completely adding like a new little section or something. I like when when stuff when covers kind of go there, you know, and they they're like, I want to I want to see something completely different or add something completely different. Like that's what makes a good cover slash arrangement for me. All right. Well, let's get to the music. We are going to start with Taylor's tune for today, which is. Kenny and the Jets. Let's go. All right. So we are going to try a new format today. So bear with us, listeners, as we test this out. We're going to all say our points, and then we're going to save discussion until everyone has kind of given a thought or two about what we just listened to. So let's go, Ayan. What are the top two things that you noticed about the song? Well, I wrote, the saxophone is definitely doing what I wanted to do, especially with the unique harmonic layering. And also what makes it super effective is the ends of phrases, the falls, and the crazy little harmonic moments. I think they tell a story. Love it. What about you, Jafet? I really, really, really like the tight drums. The drums are super, super tight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also really appreciate what the rhythm guitar does. It adds this extra Mm. like syncopated element throughout the, the tune. Uh, Because the original tune is very heavy on one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because the first thing that I wrote down is what you were talking about, Taylor, with the repeated notes. I said there's a lot of repeated notes in this melody, but the articulation of the saxophone makes it super interesting. So if you'll notice, things just got a lot quieter in the background. That's because I turned off my air conditioner. (laughs) I'm so sorry, guys. (laughs) I thought that was the traffic. (laughs) I thought traffic just went down. (laughs) The second thing I wanted to say about this is that I thought it was really cool that they played in that the improvised solo was improvised off of Elton John's piano solo. Mm -hmm. So it still kept that connection to the original, but it was unique in and of itself. Taylor, what were your thoughts? So I think what most draws me into this cover is the odd dichotomy of no subtlety in tone and um, articulation, but an immense amount of subtlety in the notes that are actually played. And yeah, just this weird space that occurs in the music. Mm -hmm. I think going along with the the notes that are being played, um, like the moments, the ends of phrases, kind of like I had mentioned, I really liked the specific like things that the saxophone did. I just remember like it did like a little like fall like that happens a lot in um the baritone solo parts. Uh-huh. Um, the baritone being played by Grace Kelly. So in a lot of the solo sections, but then as well in the um in the trio sections where the three of them play together mm-hmm. there's Barry, tenor and alto okay um when the three of them do play together there's a lot of subtlety in like at the end of phrases they will dip yes. off yes. instead of just da it will be da oh. 
Yeah, and they and that's very idiosyncratic of a saxophone melody. Like it's very much what saxophone, like jazz or like funk saxophone, wants to do. Yeah, you know, like it's native to the instrument. Yeah, which makes it a good cover. Is yes. this a live performance? It is. That's uh, insane. Astounding. Because um, you were talking about the space. Right? Didn't you mention the space yes, here? Yeah. Which is insane because they keep the time so perfectly. Mm-hmm. They're starting and ending notes exactly together. So at the end, when they have that little um, moment where they're, they have like a couple they're, little yeah. phrases yes. with, <laughs> yeah, with yeah. all the, yeah. Just <laughs> and there's yes. so many beats of empty space. Yes. But oh they, they're it's so tight. It's so perfect. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, that part blows me away. The very ending of this cover where, yeah, it's just astounding how they can let that space just be there. Mm-hmm. And then it's like one player. Yeah. Yeah. Which Very is just that. absurd. Yeah. And that part did it for me, honestly. I was like listening and I was like, whoa. Oh. It's, I was like, oh, it's over. And then they're like, but it's a little but <laughs> and then then it ends oh, and you're yeah. like what you're like what just happened <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what i wanted to comment on uh, was uh, first of all i love the horns the, i love the saxophone i when i was listening Adore. to it i i wasn't listening to it with like the video playing but i was like is that a baritone saxophone and i got really excited because i love baritone saxophone mm-hmm. and then i heard the tenor saxophone and i was like oh my god it's the tenor saxophone. and then i heard the alto and i was like oh my god <laughs> I, I just love saxophone oh, yes. with that being said i'm gonna put the saxophones to the side for just a second how dare you i'm gonna talk about the drums and the rhythm oh, guitar. Yes. Because oh, I know I commented on that, but I'm, t- you know, kind of tagging on to what you were talking about, Taylor, in regards to space. Yeah. Huh? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> the drum, the, the way that the drum was driving the beat, which obviously it's their job, but the way that they were driving the beat, in the original song, it's very heavy, right? It's don't, right. Don't, don't. I don't know. For some reason, this drummer played it light enough to keep it floating, but also heavy enough to keep it grounded. Mm -hmm. And then the rhythm guitar, just adding little tiny fills Mm -hmm. just made it super interesting. So Mm -hmm. my experience with this song is very recent. The original song. (laughs) I listened to it for the first time very recently. And uh, yeah, I know y'all can crucify me if you want. I'm not going to fight you. We all have different different walks of life. You're right. right. (laughs) I didn't know it was by Elton John until today. No, but so I recently heard I recently heard the song I was listening to it again and I realized that um, what makes it really interesting is so we have that heavy beat, but Elton what he does with the piano, whenever he goes outside of that heavy beat, mm-hmm. it drives it forward. Mm-hmm. And that's what these instrumentalists that that's what they did. Mm-hmm. They took those ideas and then they put them in their instruments and it helps the arrangement move forward and it doesn't feel like you're dragging through the song. Right. But yeah. Yeah. So there's this one specific thing that just gets me in the rhythm section, specifically the drummer. Um, So at the very end of the chorus, the chorus ends on one, on the downbeat, right? Benny and the Jets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just a hard hit on one. And what happens in the original is that that one lines up with the new just repeat of the little bit that goes before the verse. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of loops over right there. But what happens in the cover is that the drummer waits for a second and everything stops. Mm-hmm. And then he does a cymbal hit <laughs> on two. And it's like this moment of just like jets, 
and then you're like stuck in the air with like this inhale. And it floats even more because when they hit that, like where the Jets lyric would be, the harmony is like this weird, like, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like, but it's like a tasteful, huh? It's like a, you know, like a, oh my God, it's so spicy. It's so So spicy. spicy. Oh yeah. No, they definitely throw in a few. And that is one thing that I also adore about this cover is that it's very surprisingly note for note cover. Yeah. Um, It is very, very close to the original. So everything that's outside of the original, the few things that are, are extremely yeah. purposefully chosen. Yeah. So it's little things like that. Yeah. That beat And you notice it more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you totally do. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. If you don't know what a rhythm section is, basically that refers to when you are listening to a band that has horns. A lot of times they have piano, bass, drums, and guitar that kind of keep the rhythm and the harmony consistent while the horns have arranged bits over. Specifically, this rhythm section is two rhythm guitars, one bass and one drum. That's very interesting. When I was listening, I noticed that there was something a little bit different. But then when I watched Mm -hmm. the video, I was like, oh, okay, so y'all have two guitars. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting since piano is so driving in the original song that they took the piano out of the rhythm section and added a second guitar. Said it went on one. Textural differences. Well, Taylor, thank you for bringing this. This was super interesting. Love it. Yeah. We are going to give the floor to Ayan. They brought same old mistakes. Yes, Rihanna. Feel like a brand new awesome. Thank you so much for bringing that one, Ayan. What are your thoughts, Jafet? Yeah, I I really enjoyed this song. I remember listening to it for the first time when her album came out. And I love the album because it was supposed to be like this really experimental thing and uh-huh. all this stuff. It also has Be Better Have My Money, which is one of my favorite songs ever. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to say about it is I really like the ending portion. There is uh, kind of like this 8-bit thing uh-huh. that happens throughout uh, the ending that is not at, in the original song. <laughs> And I only noticed that like now as we were listening to it uh, together um, I, before I didn't hear the difference. And then when I got, when we were listening to it now, I was like, oh, that's super interesting. It has those little like, like mm. little moments or whatever. But yeah. Some of the things I noticed, uh, the name of the song is Same Old Mistakes. And I thought it was really cool that you see that reflected in like the looper pedal type repetitive nature of the song. But mm. then you have a middle section that is different and um, sounds markedly different than the rest of the song, but it comes back around to what we hear for the first, you know, large portion of the song, Mm -hmm. back to the same old mistakes. Mm -hmm. I liked that. I also thought it was interesting that her voice isn't super separated from the mix. Mm -hmm. It's very part of the whole soundscape. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Taylor? So... I find this cover very interesting, almost in a sort of classical sense. Mm. I view it as kind of like a case study Mm. for her um, in that this is somewhat outside of her sound. Going to be totally honest, I have always uh, pronounced her name Rihanna, but I've heard in several interviews she pronounces her own name Rihanna. Mm. Um, So I'm trying to adjust Mm. and use her pronunciation of her name good call Mm -hmm. um 
So my apologies if I <laughs> revert back. Same. Anywho, one thing that I really um, appreciate and I'm absurdly impressed by about Rihanna is her ability to like have hits in every era yes. of yes. music since she has appeared. She's able to morph. And I think this song sort of shows how she's able to do that. And that she is willing to look outside of where she is at in a moment and say, I'm going to experiment with a different sound. So another thing that I find interesting about this cover is that it very much is a straight cover. It's the instrumental track and she is singing on top of it mm -hmm. with a few changes and additions near the end of the track. And I was wondering if, Ayan, you could touch on that because you mentioned that you weren't always so interested in covers that are approached that way yes i did for me i think this is a really interesting cover because since i heard this one first it's it, it was a rihanna song for me right i didn't even know it was tame impala until i like looked into it and then i heard the tame impala song and like the instrumental parts are very much the same mm -hmm. but when it's the parts with the voice and you know like just the, the parts of the song that are sung it's completely different songs for me like mm -hmm in a weird way like Tame Impala sounds like a band song like a song by a band oh. and Rihanna's sounds like a song by an artist mm. if that makes sense you know like it does it's so and it's so weird and it's literally because and because it's it's the same exact instrumentation and the same arrangement like it unfolds exactly the same way with yeah. with um the exception of the parts that Jafet mentioned um, it's it's kind of I don't know it's kind of weird that 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 I that I hear it that way and I think Rihanna being the icon that she is has like the history but also she just has as an artist like this inflection that she gives to music like in her own singing in her own voice mm -hmm. that for some reason it just made this a lot more like spacey a lot more like loosey goosey kind of for me mm -hmm. than the Tame Impala one the Tame Impala just kind of like like a band kind of like performing at their usual gig kind of thing. Not that it's yeah. bad, but like, I, I think that's very much the vibe that they were kind of going for and mm -hmm. you know, that they achieved. But Rihanna really, I think expands on that, you know, with, with her voice. One yeah. of the things that I noted um, when I was listening to it, and I think Taylor, you kind of touched on this, but she traditionally, I feel like in a lot of the music that I think about from Rihanna, it's a very forward tone, like a very aggressive yeah. tone yeah. and an aggressive approach to music. So I was interested in how um, light and airy her tone was True. to kind of fit into the style of the song that she wanted to present. Mm -hmm. That's my whole thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you sure? Yes. Um, I think I heard the period at the end of the sentence. Yeah, it was so loud. <laughs> There's someone in the background. Period. <laughs> No, well, kind of touching on that too. So when I think of Rihanna, I think of of you know obviously the roots of her, you know, being from um, Barbados, I believe. Yeah. Um, and that music that kind of started, you know, kind of launched her career forward, and then like all the other stuff that started to change, like you had mentioned, Taylor, like she's gone through different eras almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but a little bit of history that I that I found online. So uh, I don't know if y'all know the artist SZA. Okay. Really great artist. If you don't know who SZA is. SZA. Yes, SZA. If you don't know who she is, definitely look her up. I'm sure one of her songs is going to pop up on one of our episodes in the future. I used to think she was called Zang. <laughs> but anyway, continue. Well, well, it's actually in interviews. I've seen that she pronounced it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> not me I'm thinking kidding, you were I'm serious. Kidding. I'm, I'm, like, kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My mind was literally like, oh my God. whoa. That was right. <laughs> I hate it. I hate you so much. Um, no. So, so uh, SZA and Rihanna actually have a song together on this album. Okay. Uh, and allegedly, uh, while they were working on on that song, SZA was like, "Hey, there's a song I've been listening to," and she introduced it to her. Um, to Rihanna oh. and she listened to it and was just like this song is so cool I love it uh, and so uh, her producer I believe reached out to the band leader of Tim and Paula I think his name is Kevin Parker and they talked and apparently Kevin uh, Mr. Parker himself was like a hundred percent here I'll send you all the stuff have her do the cover wow. and he said that the original song was actually supposed it was intended for a woman to sing it. <gasps> for a higher um, voice yeah and so it just kind of worked out that way so I'm kind of like you Ayan in regards to like I heard the I heard Rihanna's Rihanna's version first yeah uh, and then I found out later that it was uh, that it was by Tame Impala and I was like whoa and I'm like wait this is the exact same song um, yeah but I kind of appreciate the quality that she gives to it because she naturally has that. She does have that forward sound. And, and when you listen to it, she has a lot of that breathiness and that kind of lightness. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of edging on that kind of forward ping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting to hear that other side. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of, of, of history on the song. I had to I had to like look it up and just be like, what? how did this song come to be? Because in my in my ears they sounded very very similar yeah i think it's really interesting that you brought up that it was originally intended for like a higher voice um because what i was thinking when i when i was thinking of my points is like the original song by tame impala is a lower voice singing high but rihanna's version is a higher voice singing low slash in its range Mm -hmm. and i think that differentiation kind of adds like a lot i like it just adds meaning the timbre difference Uh that's what it is it's Uh a timbre difference and i i said in my in my brain it kind of has a more haunting quality when it's a woman singing lower um, I love when women sing really low. It's just so full, and I, I yeah. it just it feels that way. Yeah. Um. In in this song. Yeah. 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 As a soprano, I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> you She's sing like, low. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still offended. <laughs> I'm still offended. Oh my gosh. Up next, we have Jafet bringing us "Evergreen" by Sage. Oh. Okay, so that was Sage's cover of Yeba's Evergreen, which we've spoken about, yeah. I believe, on episode one. If you want more yeah. in-depth conversation Check on that one, out. Sage is a really cool group. The uh, members are John A. Kendrick, Sarah Gazarek, Amanda Taylor, and Aaron Bentledge, all incredible musicians in and of their own right, but we do want to call them out specifically and give credit where it's due. Um, I want to kick this one off because I really like this arrangement and I'm really glad that you brought it. Jaffe. <laughs> you just have a Taylor moment. <laughs> Should I take that out? No, <laughs> no leave it in. Or not. I don't know. So one of my favorite moments in the song happens when John A. Kendrick and Sarah Gazarek are singing like a duet line together and they have mm. some really fun word painting that happens. First, they sing the word edge a whole step away from each other, which is really hard to hold. And they just, they, they grab onto their notes and they don't let it go. They're relentless and holding this really dissonant interval. Standing at the water's edge. On the word edge, which makes you feel on edge. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool moment of word painting, followed directly by the lyric, 
hold your current in my hand. And on the word hand, they have this beautiful run, which is reminiscent of the current that they're talking about. Hold your current in my hand. It's a really cool moment of word painting, one right after the other. Editing Julie wants to point out that that last clip was Aaron Bentledge and Amanda Taylor. Ion, what did you notice about this? I really liked how at the end, the hook, the my evergreen, is like thrown among voices. Like, it, I think that shows like that it's four singers, you know, singing a cover of this song, like how it mm. uh, showcases each of their voices. I actually also wanted to point out that major second rub um, that Julie mentioned. I think it's worth mentioning twice because <laughs> it's just <laughs> such a good moment. Honestly. Like, yeah. I love that word painting. I love that harmony. Um, and it's just so unique, I think, to this group and to this like style of uh, like music, you know, like yeah, yeah. Taylor, what do you think? I am so drawn in by the last pre-chorus and the um, final statement of the chorus. Why am mm. I turning into a sonata? Anywho, <laughs> um, so I uh, I think that the I am personally always drawn in by any sort of complex harmony and so the complete loss of a tonal center that occurs in the final pre-chorus is something that would naturally my ear would just be like okay i'm listening so what do i mean by tonal center in music people tend to stick to a single key and a key is typically centered around a single note. Everything in general wants to lead back to that note. So when you say that a piece of music lacks a tonal center, it literally means that you have nowhere to land. The music has nowhere to land. And that's sort of what occurs in this, and so you have this moment of extreme fluidity, which finally culminates in bringing us back to the key of the chorus um which then slows down for a moment and you get this moment to be really intimate with the last chorus and then it fires right on back up uh and i think that's just so well done jeffette what do you think yeah so firstly all four of these vocalists are fantastic vocalists as individuals i've heard each one of them in the past and they are so amazing and so when i heard that this group was going to get together or that they got together and they were working on stuff i was so over the moon we both just out. yeah yes. i yeah and then all the teasers and videos and stuff that they were posting i, I oh my know. gosh i was that so was excited <laughs> how recent is this uh within i think the last two years okay so i think that they oh, took like their recent. first year kind of getting everything together and then they premiered at the gen conference the jazz education network conference oh. it was it was such a good show you saw them <clears throat> yes I've, I've we've seen them a couple times mm-hmm. um but anyway so in regards to this arrangement so we have like julie mentioned we have talked about this song in the past it's such a beautiful song the the history not the history um uh, the meaning of the song is really, really, right. really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that um, their voices kind of lend themselves to a, a different interpretation, but still have that emotional connection, mm-hmm. which I think is really stunning. So then the next thing that I wanted to bring up is actually two sections. Uh, the first one is the acapella section at uh, around the 140 minute mark. 
Uh, and the other section is at 246 when they go into their full voices. They do this unison section. And Erin, I believe, is singing at the top. And she just, like, she soars. And it's, she almost uses, like, this belt as opposed to a mix. And it sounds so rich and beautiful. And it's it just... I don't know, it just, it glides over everything and then, you know, once they break from unison and then they go into the harmony and then there's just all these different sections with the reharm that you had mentioned, Taylor, um, and then the kind of poly, uh, polyphonic lines. It's just a really, really beautiful way to kind of say, we are four, you know, four vocalists and now we're coming into one, two, and the song. Yeah. Is that going so, into the, I know it's just as hard mm-hmm. section? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jafet, just really quickly, you mentioned something talking about a um, belt versus a mix. And I think um, belt, we kind of hear a lot. We hear a lot of people talking about that and using that. What exactly is a mix for vocalists? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are three registers in uh, for vocalists, typically. Uh, it's the chest, which is typically, like if you put your hand on your chest and you speak and you feel that vibration, that is the chest voice. Um, then there's the head voice, which people usually equate to sounding like Julia Child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically your mix is when you combine both, you know, kind of head voice that Julia Child sound, as well as that chest voice, uh, and you put it right, you know, in the middle. Typically, in, in when you're singing vocal jazz, you kind of use more of that forward sound uh, mm-hmm. because it kind of strips away a lot of the overtones, uh-huh. uh, and it, it kind of brings oh, more focus into your fundamental, uh, and so it allows the harmony because it's very dense harmony. It allows it to ring properly and and lock as opposed to it being scattered and everything That's cool you hear them all using their mix really effectively in this because this is vocal jazz so mm-hmm. it's very appropriate to mm-hmm. the style so mm-hmm. if you want to hear what a mixed voice sounds like you can pretty much tune yeah. into any of them and a lot of them are very heavily using their yeah mix. heavily heavily mixing and so that's why i think it's really interesting that they were like no for this section we are not mixing we're going more full voice and more more belt more of that mm-hmm. chest big sound which I feel like equates to being very like like having an emotional reaction to something mm-hmm. um which is yeah. perfect because this is also the same section that taylor was talking about where the um tonal center kind mm-hmm. of gets lost so you have the combo of the tonal center um being totally ambiguous you have a switch from a heavily mixed tone to a really belty chest voice and then you have those two things leading directly into this sort of switch to a head voice which all is just very different approaches to what they've been doing so far. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It's a nice journey it takes. Yeah. One but- other thing that I wanted to touch on was how hard what they're doing is because you have multiple pairings of voices within and that alternates with four-part harmony and with unisons. Mm. Um, and all of those things require in the moment mixing because I'm pretty sure this is a live mm. performance. Yeah, and yeah. you don't have somebody turning knobs and you know automating um, volumes and, stuff. Right. and stuff like that. So what yeah. you're hearing is all of them using their ears and their musicality to um, mix in the moment as they're making their way through the song. It's stunning. Shafet, mm-hmm. yeah. thank you so much. I absolutely love that arrangement. All right, last but not least is yours truly with Leanne LaHavis' cover of Say a Little Prayer. Forever and ever you stay in my heart and I will love you forever. 
Okay, so the original recording artist of Say a Little Prayer was Dionne Warwick. You also have a very popular version by Aretha Franklin. Mm, that a lot of people know. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. this was Liana Lahavis's live version of it. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Jafet, what were some of your thoughts on it? So first of all, I love her voice. Mm-hmm. I love, love, love her voice. I remember listening to her and uh, and I think one of her first albums and I was just so taken aback of how like rich her, her voice is and her vibrato is so unique to her who she is. Mm. But yes, yeah, so in regards to this song, I really appreciated that when she took the first chorus, when she was singing the chorus section, she sang it down the octave. Um, and then when she finished the second verse and went to the second chorus, she sang it up the octave, which is um, a very like jazz approach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also when she gets towards the end, she does a lot of melodic variation, which basically means just changing the melody in different ways. And so that is also very jazz. You know, yeah. you sing the form of a song one time and then the second time changes a little third time kind of free for all. Um, so yeah, I really, I really, really appreciated that. And her guitar playing is just oh so, it's so it's beautiful. Lovely. And I think it really complements her singing, which is, you know, it makes sense. You know, she's playing exactly what she hears in her head and she's mm. singing exactly what she's feeling. So, yeah. Love it. Taylor, what did you think? Leanne has this introspective approach to the song mm-hmm. that isn't captured in the original version. The original is a very outward sung song. Mm-hmm. Um, from sort of a diva perspective, right? It's a big voice song. And um, Leanne brings that all inside. One thing technically that she does to sort of emphasize that is the use of uh, ritardandos, Mm -hmm. um, literally just slowing down, um, which occurs at a couple points in the song. And I think I love that. I think it just gives this idea of getting lost in thought Mm. where the thoughts are occurring and everything slows down for a moment. And then she remembers what she's singing about and it's straight back into the song. just beautiful very inward yeah like that um my one of my points was um the guitar at the beginning it has like i want to say it's like a bossa nova-y kind of rhythm very it's like rhythmic in a latin kind of sense absolutely (laughs) and so i I like that uh that aspect of it and kind of going with what uh, taylor was saying the retardando, but also the space that she leaves with, um, uh, like, you know, just <laughs> when the audience starts, like, cheering. I think yes. it's just very, it's, it's very her, and it's very, like, very much like a live performance, you know, which is the genre that she's uh, interpreting the song in. Um, I think I think it really works. It's really nice. I like the space. I think the only thing I had to add to that was um, her inflections, I think, mm-hmm. are really interesting and appropriate. She has little slides that she puts in, oh, or yes. she sometimes she'll throw a, like throw a note at the end of a phrase. She'll just let yes. it drop off. She doesn't hold it. She doesn't give it anything more than it needs. She just lets it fall, um, or she'll just bend a note, um, which is interesting because you know she's a guitar player and that's a technique that you hear on guitar yeah. a lot. So yes. it's really cool to hear that reflected in her voice as well. Um, but paired with the lyric in a way that is really intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
uh, before coming to record our episode today, I was listening to the song and I was like, I want to know a little bit more about it. I want to know, you know, where it comes from, if, if it was just like a single or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I started, you know, doing a little bit of research. And so it turns out that this song was actually the theme song for a movie called Valley of the Dolls. The song was originally written so that Judy Garland could sing it. Oh. Uh, I don't know the details why, but apparently she was fired and did not record <gasps> Drama. it. Drama. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but what ended up happening was that one of the cast members from the movie suggested that Dion uh, actually record the song mm. and they listened to her and she recorded it. Apparently this recording was so popular that DJs or disc jockeys what? would actually play it as a single. And they played oh. it over and over and over again so many times that um, it ended up selling like a million mm. records. So this recording was actually a B-side. And apparently uh, back way back when in the olden days, uh, if you couldn't have uh, a gold or platinum record on both sides, you had oh. to have it on one or the other. Huh. At least this is what, what, I, what I read. It was part of the art. IAA rules. Okay. Um, Interesting. But they certified it as gold as a special exception <gasps> because oh of God. how so because of how good it was. Wow. That is um, incredible. Yeah, and so it's it's it was really interesting because I mean the, the, the song whether you know Dion for all of her other music or whether you know the movie like you know putting those things aside that that is a song that every everyone has heard mm-hmm. at some point and in a film or you know yeah and so I having such an iconic song and then going and like reading about how like this song was about to be recorded by someone else and then it just landed on her lap yeah. and she's just like yeah i'll do it it's fine you and know it becomes <laughs> then, iconic like oh and, my gosh. yeah it's, it's so famous wow. yeah and uh one little last thing that i wanted to add that i found super interesting just musically was um she she does these little harmonies um while there's like a, a trumpet playing mm-hmm. or horn playing and it just it, it feels so almost improvised yeah. she's just like i heard this and i think it's pretty so mm-hmm. i'm just gonna add it in there and so it sounds very natural to to her and yeah. to kind of putting in her own flair to this to that section of the movie of of the song and that's probably why it was so popular is because it was really organic and natural to how yeah. she mm. would perform it and not quite so staged yes yeah. that's super interesting yeah. thank you for doing that research yeah. Jafet. of course that's so cool uh, i always love Jafet's research like <laughs> i just love learning like history and little tidbits about songs well Jafet so. is a self-taught historian i'm a self-taught historian professional um, that yeah i actually googled icon. historian and was like that's me <laughs> congrats on your phd thank you i also printed out a little certificate <laughs> and spelled your name wrong <laughs> j-a-e-f-t well i mean at our college graduation the guy who announced jafet's name oh, said his name incorrectly so incorrectly oh, no. so How did he pronounce it? i wrote it phonically yeah i wrote it perfectly and I don't even know how you I still call him this, but he just loudly went, Jaffe Bukaram. And I just went, okay. Okay. Give me my paper. Let me leave. I'm French. (laughs) Just like my friends. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for bringing all of these songs. I feel like I was introduced to a lot of different things that I legitimately would not have heard if you guys hadn't brought them. So thank you. I think the main thing that we all are walking away from this week appreciating is how with covers, you can have different people with totally different lives, 
walks of lives, experiences, take a song that was written by somebody else in another time, in another place, and make it their own, make it applicable to themselves, and also make it something that is applicable in your life. Yeah, that's a cool thing in art. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. Go ahead and join us next week. We are going to start a brand new series for the decades starting in the 70s. So excited. (laughs) Oh, no, that's 80s. (laughs) So come back. Have a great time with us next week. Till then. Bye. Bye. Friends, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Did you like what you heard? Well, make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes by subscribing to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening from. If you want to see more of what we do, be sure to check us out at V-O-A-T underscore podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Catch you at the next gig.